2: Hey, it's the
3: sporting tribune today. A football edition, a football is back edition. I should say Adrian Hernandez for those joining us on the radio. Hello, the bet Las Vegas, the Hawaii sports radio network, the mighty 1090 ESPN radio in Southern California. And for the second time ever, we're pleased to be back on Believe TV, Fubu TV, and wherever you get the Believe Sports Network. And look, last week, We got to thank all of our viewers, all of our listeners that tuned in. It was great to kick this off, but here's the thing. We had to start off with a bang. That's why we had Shaquille O'Neal and Tom Glavin. But when it comes to the Sporting Tribune, we have a staff of amazing writers, beat reporters, covering teams throughout the West Coast. So I'd like to introduce a new segment From now on, you can expect on every episode around the Tribune as we go around the West Coast checking in with our correspondents with the latest games and the latest stories that they're breaking. And like I said, this episode's a football edition. And as I look through week one of the NFL schedule, I got one game that I need to make sure I'm going to be tuned into. That is going to be the Chargers versus the Dolphins. No Jalen Ramsey back at SoFi Stadium, but Tua versus Justin Herbert and a guy who covers the Chargers for us, Fernando Ramirez. Let's bring him in and let's go around the Tribune. Fernando, greetings. The NFL season is here. My first question for you when it comes to the Chargers, have they fixed that run defense yet?
2: Uh, so according to them, they have. Uh, but, I mean, I guess it's a wait and see. I mean, they brought in Eric Hendricks from the, Dolph- or from the Dolphins. They brought in Eric Hendricks from the Vikings as one of their, I mean, they only signed three free agents, and one of them was Eric Hendricks. They think that he's going to be the problem solver. He's going to be a run stopper. They get Austin Johnson back. Um, they have guy. They hope that with Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack on the edges, they'll be able to do it but i'm still like I, I said Some i can't remember where i said this but i'm like right now i'm i'm just hooking up with the chargers run defense i ain't trying to date them i'm not i'm <laughs> sure as hell not trying to marry them so uh, uh-huh. as of right now it's a wait and see let's see what happens but so yeah so i, th- I think the game against the dolphins is going to be the dolphins we know mike McDaniel's going to try and attack your weaknesses one of their weaknesses is running the football, so uh, or run defense. Well, that's what it was last year, so let's see what Mike McDaniel comes up with. Flip side, there might be a theme to this interview. How's the run offense going to be this year? No, well, if you look at Twitter and, and preseason games fans are excited because they ran for over 500 yards in three preseason games But I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's no Austin Eckler. There's no offensive line Let's see what this really looks like, but I don't think Austin Eckler Austin is gonna get his touches He's gonna get his he's gonna get his it's Joshua Kelly and Isaiah Spiller Can you be the backups that he needs you to be? Um, by the by the time december rolls around austin eckler is kind of like if he was a gas tank he'd be on one fourth um hit almost hitting that ease so you need him, fresh you need him fresh ready to go and in the crucial part of the season and and he's not so uh because he's he's exuberant or he's put out so much energy during the season so this is going to fall on on joshua kelly and isaiah spiller if they if those guys can consistently run the football and get it done, uh, then they'll be, they'll be a lot better. But again, I have to wait and see, I'm, I'm, I'm hooking up. So I ain't dating, I ain't marrying. So,
3: uh. <laughs> And Fernando, look, I'm very excited about this Chargers team. Kellen Moore to me might be a cheat code for this offense. And for this team, for you to close this out, what is a good season for the Chargers look like in
2: 2023? Well, with Brandon Staley, they've uh, they've really uh, made strides. I know people are angry about the, he didn't make the playoffs that year against the Raiders. His first season, they were nine and eight. They should have made the playoffs um, last year. They made the playoffs. They lose. A, they blow that lead against Jacksonville. Um, this year, I think they have to make it to the divisional. Uh, well, get back into the playoffs, even though the AFC is loaded. But I think they have to get off to a fast start. I think this offense is going to need to be what they hoped. That defense, it's all going to rely, I think, on the defense. If the defense can stop teams, then they're going to have a successful season. Their special teams actually is one of the best in the league right now. Their offense, I expect to be one of the best in the league. So now you have to look at the third child, which is the... Uh, like It's like you have three kids, and you don't spank the, the offense. You don't spank the special teams, but you beat the crap out of the defense because you're like, dude, what the heck? So, uh, so now it's can the defense step up? Can they do... Uh, what they need to do can they catch up to what the offense and the defense and the special teams are and that's remains to be seen so if the charge can if their defense can be do well and they can make it at least to the divisional round of the playoffs I think uh, they're in for a big year but I keep on hearing Justin's name thrown out there for MVP and if this offense is what many expect and even I expect it to be I, I don't think I don't believe that's far-fetched I think uh, Justin should be in, uh, in uh, MVP discussions if uh, if I, cuz i think he's going to have a bounce back year yesterday the 20, or the yesterday last year 25 touchdowns the bruised ribs the shoulder i mean that all played in, in effect so i i think he's healthy and i think he uh he gets back in there this year and And he puts up big numbers. Yo, so I know we're
3: doing the first ever Around the Tribune, but sometimes when we record, we have breaking news that happens. Like, just hit my timeline. A Delta flight had to turn around to be cleaned after a medical issue that apparently involved a passenger who had diarrhea. We will get to that later. But Around the Tribune needs to continue with another football team in L.A. This time, collegiately, the USC Trojans. uh, Joining us now, Joshua Fisher. Josh leading up to this week caleb williams a lot of press a lot of hype it's not new to him gq did a big cover story on him and his dad made some interesting comments that he might stay until next year if he doesn't like how the draft order is going to be what do you make
1: of it a return for caleb williams in 24. um well first and foremost you brought up the infamous now flight the delta flight going to europe I do want to come clean. It wasn't me this time, but I have been in a situation like that. Maybe when I come back next time, I could tell you the full story. But freshman year of college, it wasn't a pretty flight on Southwest. <laughs> I, I, I will say that. Uh, Kayla, that is- from 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 you know from crap to from trash to treasure, Kayla Williams. In the two games I've seen him, has absolutely dazzled. We know what he's capable of, but his ability to spread the wealth on the on the dance floor is really unbelievable. Everyone's getting touches. Four different touchdowns to four different receivers in game one. Four different receivers and five out of five touchdowns in game two. He's a real pro's pro. It's not even just the highlights. His ability to spread the ball all across the field, hit every throw he needs to. This guy would have been the first quarterback taken in last year's draft. There's no doubt in my mind. We're looking at a prospect like Trevor Lawrence, like Andrew Luck, like Peyton Manning. Now, on the comments of his father, this is also not the first time we've seen a father intervene in the NFL draft. We saw Archie Manning intervene with Eli Manning when he did not want to go to the Chargers, right? So he forced his way out of San Diego at the time, now out of course Los Angeles, to New York and the Phillip Rivers for Sean Merriman deal. I think it's a situation where we're at the peak of the player empowerment era, not only the player empowerment era in the pros, but the player empowerment era in college, so these guys are getting – how much money is he making this year? It's not like he's starved for cash. If he wants to come back to USC and even up his pay even more, like hypothetically if he wins the Heisman and he becomes the first player to go back-to-back in the Heisman it's Archie Griffin. What if he wants to go for a 3 P? What if USC falls short? They get to the playoffs, but they don't win the national championship. It will only get better in their first year in the Big Ten with higher competition, higher ratings, higher viewing numbers. And who wants to go play for the Arizona Cardinals? You really get – you don't get that many chances. You know what I'm saying? And we've seen so many guys' careers ruined by being drafted in the wrong spots. You know, like, had Sam Darnold, let's go down, just go down the USC line. Had Sam Darnold been drafted to a better team than the New York Jets and Adam Gase, would he still be a starting quarterback in the NFL? We've seen the flashes. Matt Leinart, had he not been drafted by the Cardinals, would he be? And I'm sure they talk, right? I mean, we see them in the Heisman commercials. I'm sure they chit-chat. Had he not been drafted by the Arizona Cardinals, would his career be better? Like By and large, had the Cardinals not gotten older out with Carson Palmer, with Kurt Warner, they'd be a pretty trash franchise for the entirety of the 21st century. It's the Kurt Warner luck of the draw. It's the Carson Palmer bringing him in off the coattails of Kurt Warner um, and riding that kind of error out into the sunset. But the Kyler Murray experiment looked like it was going strong bats faltered and and Cliff Kingsbury was a disaster should never been the coach and this is all under the assumption the cardinals are going to be the worst team i'd be thoroughly shocked if they did not have the first pick in the draft next year um they made some nice moves in the offseason but if you if you're Caleb Williams i don't want to go play in arizona what do they have what do they have for me like what what's going on there is it a good situation that i'm walking into like if you go to the quarterbacks Like, Bryce Young's walking into a pretty sweet situation, all things considered. Like, they weren't the worst team last year. Their defense is good. Their division's winnable. Their head coach is very experienced, especially with young quarterbacks. CJ Stroud, on the other hand, you know, he walked, or not, on the same hand, I would say, Texans not looking great. New head coach, though, they go get two top tier guys in the draft. They did a good job getting as much as they could for the Deshaun Watson deal. Their offensive line is pretty solid. They They got veteran weapons around him a uh, good run game, and the defense is getting better. You know, you don't want to go to a situation where things are bad or like Carl Williams said, it, it, it's kind of a lose-lose at times because you're going to the worst team. Like, he know, he, we know his son is going to be the first overall pick. Like, there's no way it's going to be Drake May. There's no way it's going to be any of the unbelievable – Sanders, Penix, you know, Bo Nix, they were all great in their first go-around. Jackson Dart was impressive for Ole Miss. You know, I'm, I grew up, you know, a Longhorn fan as well. Quinn Ewers was outside the long ball, was really solid. No one can touch this kid. He is untouchable in the NFL draft. He could sit out the rest of the year, he'd still be the first overall pick. So, if he doesn't want to go play for the Arizona Cardinals and they had the first pick, I, I don't blame him. It's a team like the Bucks. Things are a bit different, you know. We're talking a different story. The Cardinals have, you know, two shots though at redemption because they have the Texans' picks. So the Texans are the worst team. Cardinals are playing in some pretty sweet lottery moments.
3: So we got the excitement with the NFL and, of course, the USC Trojans. But last weekend was a big deal in LA, and it wasn't just because Beyonce made her tour stop at SoFi Stadium but because Messi was in town and a friend of the show and her first time on Believe TV, Shandrima Chatterjay joins us. Shandrima, can you set the scene of Messi mania?
4: Okay, I, I can definitely set the scene. Um, the most packed stadium that BMO slash bank has ever held and filled with more... Celebrities than I could ever imagine. Like it was like NBA All Star Game level of celebrities. Uh, tickets on average were about seven hundred fifty dollars, which Ooh. is way beyond anything that, that we've ever seen in MLS. Uh, you know, um, and Messi and his friends were in town. Messi, Busquets, Alba. People were like, "Oh, he's not gonna. He's not gonna start. He's not gonna start. You guys are paying up to Wazoo for nothing." I was like, no, I think we'll see him. I do. Whether or not it's for the full game, I don't care. Um, He's got one game left. Miami needs all the points they can get to get to the playoffs line. And it doesn't matter that LAFC is in the West. And it doesn't matter that they're the 2022 MLS champs. When Messi plays, everyone watches and everyone kind of plays differently on the field, which is exactly what you saw. I have I've just never been that blown away by a a match before. I hate to say that Um, it wasn't like the best quality soccer I've ever seen, but it was the most incredible atmosphere. I'm just so happy to tell you that it happened and all eyes were there. I can
3: see I can see the smile for those watching right now. And I love it. And that electricity Is what everyone should be living for. I do have a question real quick when it comes to Messi and joining the MLS. Like, I still think he's averaging a goal per game. Uh, For those critics of soccer, people know that that's not usually the type of thing. And there's been critiques about the level of play. And, like, this seems like he's in a video game mode playing easy against all of his opponents. And also that Miami, despite winning cups and winning all these things are still, you know, last in the standings or near the bottom. Like, what do you make to those critics that make those comments?
4: Okay. So first of all, I I believe there are only seven points from the playoffs line. Uh, And I I do think that the next match, the only match that Miami has to play without Messi and actually a dozen of his teammates in Miami uh, for international duty is a relatively simple one. It's at home. And I think they'll manage to get at least a point. Hopefully, a win. They don't need they don't need too much, but they do need to win everything else to make it. I think they can do it. Look, he's getting an assist or a goal or some sort of like creative play that in the midfield that causes confusion and chaos, and it's enough for Miami to be able to score. And that's what matters in the end. No, I I don't. I think the critics have mostly shut up. Actually, I really hope they have. Um, I think he's he's Messi has is, is slowly beginning to experience that MLS is a little bit different than Leagues Cup or or Open Cup play. Uh, it's the quality, the caliber is 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 higher level and I think he is experiencing that. He will get tired, he is human, so we'll see him slow down, but he doesn't need to play a full match every time.
3: Change I, I think We have less than than 10 seconds. I need you to confirm something. Those pink Messi jerseys for Miami, they're sexy,
4: right? They're the best. The black ones are better. I think the black ones are better.
3: All right, so we talked about the excitement with the Chargers. Talked about the excitement with the Trojans. We talked about the excitement of Messi Mania invading L.A. And then there's the Angels, which is where I bring in Brandon Deutsch. Not as much excitement. Brandon, what do you make of just everything that's happened to the Angels the past two
5: weeks? Uh, I just think it's a micro, It's hard to answer. It's a microcosm of everything that's happened over the past eight years. I mean, this is going to be the ninth straight year finishing well under 500, uh, despite trying to contend in every single one of those years. It's not like a rebuild was ever happening. Um, and they're in the worst position of any team in baseball. I think everybody can agree in that. They're going to lose their superstar, Shohei Ohtani, more likely than not. Um, you know, they're paying Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon, you know, who had the comment, I don't know if you read. Uh, oh, we'll get, yes. we'll get to he him. We'll get to him. He said, I mean, even though he he doesn't even speak Spanish, he just speaks English, from what I know. I mean, I don't maybe he speaks Spanish, but he's always jawing with reporters and not answering questions and, you know, thinking he's not not facing the music. That's a whole different conversation. But realistically, Adrian, they're in the worst uh, spot of any team in the MLB. At least the Royals are rebuilding. At least, you know, there's teams, the A's, they're moving to Vegas at some point. You know, they'll have money that they'll spend there. I think they're in the worst position in baseball. And I'll let you pick. Do you want to talk about Rendon? Do you want
3: to talk about Otani's we, Yeah, agent?
5: I think I think it's it's important for people to understand the Rendon situation, and you know I've been in the in, in the clubhouse, and and you know uh, it's usually Sam Blum that goes up to him and asks him for an update on his injury, because ever since hurting his shin in July 4th, on July 4th I believe he injured his shin, there was blood clots in there, like it's been a, a recurring issue. He hasn't even resumed baseball activities for all I know. So Sam usually from the Athletic goes up there and talks to him, and you know we write it down all the other reporters what he asks. Um, And he's always like, I have no questions to be answered today. Uh, You know, uh, I'm not here. He jokes around. He's always like joking with reporters, not answering questions. Uh, And it comes off very condescending and arrogant and like he doesn't care. And it is a tough situation when you're not producing, you're always hurt and you're making $35 million a year. Um, And it's the worst contract in baseball. Let's just leave it there by far. Uh, Maybe Steven Strasburg since he retired. And I think the Nationals are still paying him like, 25 million, but probably Random because he doesn't play either, even though there's on no contract. It's getting to the point with, you know, that came out about him saying no, I'm less when Sam tried to talk to him a few days ago. Just another playful comment, r- avoiding uh, questions. I-, I wouldn't count out uh, just completely DFAing him or releasing him and giving him the rest of his money on the contract. Like, I wouldn't rule that out just because. It, you know, you know, you know this, Adrian. You cover the aces, you cover a lot of these teams, and you see it in the clubhouse. It matters when you have positive guys. And I'm not saying he's a bad teammate. I don't know how he is around teammates, but I've seen him around media members. And if it's anything of the same, it's just a bad, negative uh, connotation for the team. I don't think it works. So I think Artie Moreno, h- h- you know, perhaps he'll sell, but it's not looking like he'll sell. Uh, cuts him because I think that at the end of the day, that'll make the clubhouse and give other guys opportunities if he's just not there, because he never plays anyways.
3: Well, there it is, the first ever around the Tribune, as we give you just a little taste of what we do around here at the Sporting Tribune. And look, there's even more, okay, because the Lakers signed Christian Wood. Apparently, some of the Lakers faithful think that's now going to make a finals push. I don't know about all that. If you haven't noticed i'm not here with the west coast bias or lakers agenda you're not going to hear from here on this show although you did hear brandon deutsch a little bit ago and uh, he's a huge austin reeves fan but i digress so lakers signed christian wood raiders getting ready to kick off their season At Mile High, Denver Broncos is their opponent, Russell Wilson, Sean Payton. How's that dynamic going to play out? A lot of buzz for the Broncos. To be honest, I don't necessarily know why. We'll see if this new coach and Russell Wilson can get it together. And, of course, we got your coverage for the Raiders. What I'm trying to say is. Not only should you continue watching the show, but you should go check out the Sporting Tribune. That is thesportingtribune.com, our YouTube, and on all social media handles at the Sporting Trib. Again, much love to Shandrima Chatter J, Brandon Joich, Josh Fisher, Fernando Ramirez. Just a little taste of what we do around here. But before we get back, I need to let you know what's coming up. We got Andreas Hale from the Sporting News. One of the best in the business, covers combat sports from professional wrestling to boxing to MMA. He's going to be joining us because, look, I told you guys this show is very eclectic. We don't just focus on the biggest sports in the world. We try to focus on all of them. And that includes professional wrestling because I got a soft spot in my heart. And last week, when everyone was paying attention to the ridiculousness of Colorado beating TSU and Deion Sanders being the real deal, one of the biggest wrestling stars in the world got fired. Andreas Hales next. We're talking CM Punk.
1: And here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life.
0: This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Steel clown with the
3: when we come around. Hey, welcome back to the Sporting Tribune today, episode two on Believe TV and FUBU TV. And here's the thing, we told you on the premiere episode that this show has an eclectic taste, like we could take it anywhere and not just within baseball and football and basketball. And this is going to be one of the examples because one of the best Writers in sports, period, let alone combat sports, is about to join us. Andreas Hale, senior writer, host of Fighting Words for Sporting News, co-host of the Corner Podcast. You can catch him on SiriusXM, Fight Nation, and a lot more places that I'm not even mentioning. Let's bring him to the stage. Andreas, how are you, my friend?
0: I'm doing all right, man. How's it going?
3: Man, I'm doing good, and... Let's let's get straight to it. Although this is weird because I'm going off the cuff. Because when I want to talk what I want to talk about, like I don't even know if there's exact questions because it's been so much chaos. Because last weekend, as the world, as the country, I should say, was excited that football was back, college football's here, and Deion Sanders is taking everyone by storm, and Colorado's upsetting everybody. My timeline was that upset and then CM Punk. I just Where do we begin? What do you make of all of this with CM Punk being fired or terminated, whatever word you want to put in, and
0: no longer a part of all elite wrestling? I mean, uh, to be honest, I, I mean, everybody's had something to say about this. He's been listed as a troublemaker. I see people saying he needs therapy. I don't necessarily see it like that. I think it was a clash of cultures. CM Punk comes from a different era of pro wrestling. Obviously, he was an indie wrestler before a lot of indie wrestlers were around working with Ring of Honor. He's a little older than the young wrestlers, and he's a little bit younger than the OGs of pro wrestling. So he falls into this weird space where he's outspoken about how how he thinks the business should be based on his experiences. And it didn't mesh well with what was going on at all elite wrestling. So ultimately we had some physical altercations that were reported. Obviously the issue with Jack Perry being upset that he couldn't use real glass. It sounds kind of ridiculous that somebody's telling you don't kill yourself using real glass, use fake glass. And that turns into a fight, but it's a clash of cultures and styles that I feel brought the termination of CM Punk. Is it bad for all elite wrestling? I don't know. I don't feel like CM Punk fit with what they had going on there. And now that he's gone, the company could kind of move on. Uh, He's one of the biggest draws in the business. It's unfortunate that I had to come to this, especially for the reasons that we have seen that have been reported. But alas, here we are and the show must go on as CM Punk is no longer part of all elite wrestling. It's kind of crazy.
3: No, man, it's still nuts, because we're, what are we, at this point, less than 10 days removed from when this airs to the actual firing, and I, I still can't believe it, and by the way, uh, for those that don't know, they fired him on Saturday, the next day on Sunday night, not only a pay-per-view for All Elite Wrestling, in the hometown of CM Punk, Chicago, Illinois, kind of the home base of All Elite Wrestling, to be honest, Chicago, for multiple reasons, one of those being CM Punk, so, like, all of this is just, it's mind-blowing, and even, with you saying, like, he is in that weird gap of he's not fully with the young kids and he ain't with the OGs. Because I specifically remember there was a 2K promo video they did with Stone Cold, Steve Austin, Jim Ross, and CM Punk. And Stone Cold kind of making fun of CM Punk being the video game era of wrestlers. And he doesn't really fall into that. And it's, it's just in the middle. And being days removed from all of this kind of seems like a crazy question. But I'm going to ask it. Was it worth it for All Elite Wrestling to make this move and sign CM Punk with what we now know is his run in AEW?
0: Absolutely, uh, I think it brought a lot of attention to the company. Uh, l- listen, while he was there, it was great what we saw on screen. Granted, unfortunately, the way the business is run today, especially with dirt sheets and social media, nothing is kept has a lid kept on it. So everything gets out there. Physical altercations backstage is nothing new in any sport that you can imagine. In locker rooms and in, in football, in pro wrestling, people will begin slapped around and beat up for years. It happens. This is just a different circumstance because it's getting out to the public. And Tony Khan, the, you know, the owner, CEO of All Elite Wrestling had to do something about it. So up until this point, they've had great returns on CM Punk ratings wise, attention wise. It gave him, he gave him some great matches, but the show. <laughs> yeah, Bruce just wasn't worth the squeeze anymore. And I feel like this point they got what they could out of him, and, you know, they have to move on. People want to blame Punk or they want to blame AEW. I don't know who to blame. I think AEW is going to be just fine. A lot of people say this is going to be a sinking ship. I don't see that. I think CM Punk, he got what he wanted. Uh, maybe he doesn't want to wrestle anymore. I don't see this might be it for him. Uh, and Maybe he needed to see this to make sure that he didn't want to do this anymore. But I, I don't think there's any real losers in this aside from the fans. But even the fans were fed up with the backstage nonsense. So I'm glad it's over. I think a lot of fans are glad it's over. And we just got to move on.
3: Would you, am I wrong in not even specifically with the CM Punk situation. But when you look at some of the problems or some of the things that make the news or Twitter um, with AEW, where just sometimes I'm like, can we get some adults in the room to kind of like stop some of these issues? Because everyone has issues. You just brought up sports, workplace. Not everybody gets along. But when it's time to go, like you make it work, like that's life. Your family, workplace, whatever. Um, But some of these issues, like... To me, it's very telling that the CM Punk issue has happened. It's been 10 days since he's been let go. And there's about 300 different scenarios, which is great for us because we got plenty to talk about. We do CM Punk podcasts all day long. But the fact that there's 300 different stories, it's like if there's adults in the room that can handle situations, some of these things, even outside of Punk,
0: wouldn't be happening. Like, am I wrong in that viewpoint sometimes? No, absolutely not. I think there are some issues backstage at AEW. There's issues backstage in every pro wrestling company, but the fact that these things keep coming to the light and the fact that dirt sheets and reporters and social media keep getting a hold of this news, the fact that Jack Perry did an interview that nobody asked him and he brought up CM Punk should have been ran by somebody. I'm not saying that WWE is always correct in the way that they handle things. However, I guarantee you there will never be a scenario where a wrestler does something that a producer is not aware of. And if a producer is aware of it or if it goes against what the producer says, they will get a hold on that very quickly and squash it. Tony Khan hasn't been able to do that. These things get out of hand in a hurry. Wrestlers talking to media outlets, incidents happening backstage and those getting leaked out to other dirt sheets and media outlets. It gets out of control. So. There has to be an adult in the room that says, hey, guys, look, we have to still protect this business. Everybody doesn't need to know what goes on behind closed doors. AEW has a problem with that. And that's the new era of pro wrestling is social media never infiltrated backstage before until now. So they have to figure something out because it's not going to work. These incidents will continue to crop up in some way, shape or form. Let's not act like CM Punk is the only person that had a physical altercation backstage. Sammy Guevara had two in the past year. And nobody's really talking about those because they've already been pushed back because of the CM Punk thing. So these things will continue to surface until they get a handle on what happens and how the information gets out to the public.
3: No, nah, it's amazing. I, I talked to my dad who doesn't like wrestling at all and I just explained him the situations and he's like, what do you mean? These people haven't been fired yet? Like, are you kidding me? Like, if we weren't the target and we was in the back room, some of these things would be completely different. Um, to close the book on CM Punk, because I really, I, I, I do want to talk about AEW in general. We've spent eight minutes already talking about CM Punk and there's been two huge moments in AEW that have happened. Um, but with those news, those news stories and, and rumors coming out, Uh, We did hear that there was a possibility that when he had his first incident, he was thinking about going to WWE or picking up steam about Impact Wrestling, which on their own, they've been doing great lately as well. Um, And you brought up, hey, maybe he's just done. Um, If you're in the sports book right now and you have to put money on what the future of CM Punk is, where do you truly see this going?
0: You know, I think he's done. Uh, personally between, I, I can't imagine that this, this doesn't end with some kind of lawsuit one way or the, another. In the statement that Tony Khan and AEW released, the language was very particular. With cause, my life was in danger. Those are things that are setting up for a lawsuit one way or another as a plaintiff or a defendant. So I can't imagine a scenario where Punk is not suing AEW, AEW suing Punk. So if that's the case, there's probably a non-compete, There's probably going to be a scenario where this is caught up in litigation at some point. And again, for Punk, is the juice worth the squeeze to go to another wrestling company? I feel like it took a decade to get him back into the business. And I think he just realized why he got out. I, I hear the Impact talk. If he really wants to wrestle, I could see him doing it again in the future. But he's 44 years old. I don't. Yeah, I genuinely don't see him coming back to another locker room or another locker room necessarily wanting to have him given what's transpired at AEW and WWE. I've heard people say he could come back to WWE. I don't see it. He's a man that stands on principle. He's got more than enough money. He's very frugal with his money. It's not like he's going to do it for the money. WWE would be silly not to make a play for him just to see what happens. How about the Undertaker move? We're like, hey, man, we're going to have you with one guy. You
3: just deal with this. You don't have to be backstage. We bring you in for two months at a time. Like, do you see something like
0: that? I, I don't, I don't. I just, I feel like the taste of CM Punk's mouth was left so disgusting by what happened with WWE before. I don't necessarily see that happening because you're going to have to pay him a large amount of money and it's probably going to disrupt the WWE locker room as well. Because once you have that talent there, people are going to want to talk to him. People are going to want to find out what happened. And there's a lot of talent still at WWE that remember when CM Punk left and they're not interested in seeing him again. It's not outside the complete realm of possibility that he could come back at some point. But if you ask me right now, my odds are that he is not coming back to pro wrestling and that he's done with his business.
3: And hey, look, I'm going to be very honest with you. I got one more CM Punk question as we were talking. Uh, CM Punk is one of the main reasons like I got into wrestling to the point that I did. Because I was out. I got drawn in a little bit. Punk came in and I was hooked for life. And I'm wearing this Cleveland hat because I'm born and raised born and raised in Cleveland and we're used to sports disappointments. When you talk about CM Punk returning to AEW, when you realize that, damn, we could have got more moments with CM Punk and MJF, they might have been working towards that with the belt and the Real World Championship. The fact that we didn't truly get a Daniel or Brian Danielson versus CM Punk on a big stage with the time that we never really got. We got a taste of it in WWE, but we never got that. Or Omega, or all basically all the feuds that we wanted to see him illegally we couldn't have. So in the history books in terms of disappointments of things that really didn't come to fruition like where does this rank this, ha- this is this has to rank up there right
0: It's pretty significant because again CM Punk when he came to AEW was huge huge news that it sent ripples through the wrestling world and proved that AEW was a ma- major player and we just salivated over the possibility of all the talent he could work with and if you listen to Punk in his interviews he always talked about the young talent he wanted to work with and elevate it's unfortunate that we don't, don't get to see these things. and It's amazing that all this happened in about a year's time. But it's pro wrestling. We don't always get what we want. You know, we didn't get the Hogan-Rick Flair match at WrestleMania like we wanted. And maybe we're better off because we didn't get it. Because, you know, business said it didn't do that great. But who cares? It's unfortunate because you are always going to be left with a what if. And CM Punk is one of the most interesting and polarizing talents that we've ever seen in this business. We'd love to see it let it all play out. But it didn't happen that way. It's unfortunate. It's one of the bigger disappointments. Not the biggest, but it's, it's pretty up there. And
3: um, Andreas Hell joining us at Sporting Tribune today. All right, that's it. No more CM Punk talk. I promise, Andreas. I'm going to chill off that. Right. But we got plenty more to talk about. And before we get into, to me, like this re energizement of just how many people care about wrestling. Um, I said at the beginning when I brought you in, if you don't know, this man covers combat sports fully, MMA, boxing, wrestling, he's been doing it for a long time. Me, this past two years, getting to go to these events, not only here in Las Vegas, eh, but just throughout the country, it's kind of amazed me to see the amount of media, whether it's these different websites or these big GQ, ESPN, blah, 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 these big platforms for you covering for this long, like just from a media perspective and like how much news cares about wrestling and these press, now there's post-game press conferences and all these things that we, I just, I never thought was possible. Like, how do you view all this from the eyes of you've been here from the jump?
0: Yeah, I mean, the industry has grown significantly and and there's a lot more uh, media coming out to cover this because let's be honest, Cody Rhodes, uh, the Young Bucks, Tony Khan and Kenny Omega built a competitor. It was a monolith at one point where it was just WWE and they were so protective of the business that you didn't get a lot of media covering WWE because it was hard to get a peek behind the curtain. You couldn't get talent to not break kayfabe and be who they were in these interviews. Now with the advent of the super indies at one point with Ring of Honor and Impact and New Japan, and it brought in AEW, which has given us an alternative, which has shown that Wrestling doesn't have to be like what it was in the 80s, super-duper protected. Now that it's not, we get to talk to these guys and girls a lot more. And to see the rise of media and to see the attendance numbers go up and to see just how much people care about pro wrestling because of YouTube, because of social media, it's huge. It's funny because there's still people out there go, you still watch that? Well, look, the, the highest-paid actor in the world is who? The Rock, right? Like. Pro wrestlers have done exceptionally well in Hollywood as entertainers in general because they do weekly television live on TV 52 weeks out of the year with no days off. And it's one of the most entertaining and captivating followings that you'll ever see in sports period, because they don't get a season finale. There is no uh, off season in pro wrestling. It happens all the time. So it's always something worth covering. And now that there's actual competition or an alternative, depending on how you look at it, there's more people that want to get interested and get involved in pro wrestling. So I love seeing the growth. I love seeing the diversity as well between women that cover pro wrestling and different minority groups that cover pro wrestling and see them represented on TV. It's huge. It's huge. And I love it. So For me, everything's always been pro-wrestling. I've been a pro-wrestling fan since I was three years old, and it'll never stop. So to see this many many people coming out to talk to these wrestlers and cover this this sport, if you want to use the quotes, it's great. It's great, and I hope it continues to grow.
3: I can also make the argument that wrestling podcasts kind of helped podcasts as being one of the premier genres when it was first coming in, but we don't got time for that. Um, And now flipping from even just the media um, that's covering it, um, I've talked about it at length. If you didn't know, two weeks ago, Wembley Stadium, AEW went out there, over 80,000 people. Meanwhile, WWE put the WrestleMania tickets. This year, Lincoln Financial Field, where the Eagles play in Philadelphia, they sold over 90,000 tickets. Every show, record-breaking crowds. The celebrity involvement, not only the fact that wrestlers have become top celebrities, The Rock, John Cena, Batista running Hollywood, um, but now the people that are coming in, like the Bad Bunny, who at the time when he was doing this thing earlier this year was arguably the biggest artist in the world coming off of headlining Coachella and Logan Paul doing this thing and all these different sources. Um, This argument got brought up earlier this year about the Attitude Era and this era right now and how wrestling is like
0: going crazy. How do you view that argument and which way are you swaying? it's difficult it's two different eras right it's like comparing michael jackson to beyonce right in terms of celebrity True. because michael you know you look at michael jackson and yeah there was limited access right in the attitude era there was limited access so you had superstars and they they were on your tv front and center because there were only a limited amount of channels to capture these these raw I mean, Raw and WCW at the time. Now it's everywhere and your attention is pulled in so many different directions. So the business is booming, absolutely, but it's booming in a different way. It's just like music or anything else. The way that we access it is a lot different. We don't spend our money like we used to on CDs or cassette tapes or wherever you got your music or your DVDs, streaming platforms. And there's other ways to capture it. To me, this is the greatest era of pro wrestling in ring that I've ever seen. In terms of just in ring action, you have so many different styles, so many different types of talents, so many different weight classes, sizes, and looks. I've never seen anything like this. But in terms of like star power, it's really, really hard to defeat what Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock brought to one pro- professional wrestling company in the late 90s and early 2000s i think they're two different genres and it's hard to compare the two uh but if push came to the sub give me the in ring of now and give me some of the promos of the, the oh added, you, you can't know. do that you can't i'm gonna hedge my bet man i'm sorry i'm gonna hedge my bet
3: <laughs> no i feel you before we get um all your plugs and everywhere we can see you um
0: wrestler of the year so far is who Will Ospreay, 100%. Undoubtedly, he's the best wrestler in the world. Gunther had this thing on lock for quite a while, but Will Ospreay's is ending of the year. He started the year off with Kenny Omega. He had another match with Kenny Omega that was incredible. He had a tremendous run through G1. He carried old Chris Jericho to a damn near a five-star match at All In. The guy is incredible. He is the best wrestler in the world, hands down, no question. Orange Cassidy not in the top three? Oh, he's in the top three. He's had a banner year. I think Orange Cassidy, what he's been able to do from shedding the whole, this is a gimmick to I'm a wrestler with a really cool and unique gimmick is it's is changed the perspective of who he is. He's been tremendous. He doesn't have bad matches. His match with John Moxley at All Out was incredible. I mean, look, he carried that international title like it was nobody's business. It's one of the best protected titles in the industry. Uh, but he's it, not Will Ospreay, man. I think Will Ospreay is the guy. <laughs> He's the best wrestler in the world. Nobody. He's one of the best wrestlers I've ever seen. And I've, I've watched and covered wrestling for a long time. And the run that that man is on is undeniable. Hey, man, we got good problems to have when
3: we can argue about this all day. Uh, before we get you out of here, uh, please let them know where they can catch you at.
0: Yeah, on all social media platforms, you can find me at Andreas Hale. You can find my work over at The Sporting News. Uh, as you mentioned, we have Fighting Words that I host with myself and Tom Gray, another senior editor at The Sporting News. Me and Kel me from ESPN. We have ESPN. Uh, we have The Corner Podcast, uh, where you talk boxing, pro wrestling, MMA, and some hip-hop. And then you can also find me on SiriusXM, on Fight Nation, Busted Open Radio, MMA Today, Unlocking the Cage. You can find me on any of those shows. Uh, I think that's it. I'm, I'm kind of everywhere these days, but no, I think no, I'm no, 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 one you spot. you got it. You're the co-creator of that thing in the back oh, right there. <laughs> almost forgot. The co-creator of Our Heroes Rock. It's a schoolhouse rock meets, meets hip-hop and civil rights activist. Me, WWE superstar Big E. And gear designer Jonathan Davenport launched a Kickstarter in two, 2021. And we're getting close to that pilot episode finally being released. It's right around the corner. Uh, so we've been hard at work on that for the past two and a half years. So that is coming soon. An announcement will be heading your way, I'd say, probably within the next 30 days.
3: We love to hear it. Yo, Andreas, I'm going to say this on here because we got a lot more eyes watching. You're one of the best in the business, and I try to follow your path and how to do this thing. Um, as always, brother, thank
0: you so much for making time for us. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Thank you.
3: Oh, and just like that, episode two is in the books. Much love to our plethora of guests. Brandon Deutsch, Josh Fisher, Fernando Ramirez, Sandrima Chatterjee, Andreas Hale. Most importantly, everyone tuned in and everyone listening on the Bet Las Vegas Hawaii Sports Radio Network, The Mighty 1090, ESPN Radio Southern California, and of course, Bleef Sports Fubu TV. I go by the name of Adrian Hernandez. And let's do this again next Friday.
0: This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier
3: 1090
0: ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a
2: five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.